Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday. I guess it's the third day of Hanukkah, around midday. And um, I want to take a look at the Haftar that we always have for Shabbos Hanukkah, maybe give it a little different spin than usually it uh, is. Today's podcast is being sponsored anonymously, but um, for Rafua Shlema, for Esther Bashendel, who is Kanana Hara, over 100 years old. So we hope that she gets to 120. <laughs> so I appreciate the sponsorship. Now, um, this is a famous Haftorah, Rodney Vesimchi, and I'm sure I knocked it off back in Parshas Balos and all the rest of it. But since it's Hanukkah, the question becomes, why do you read this in Hanukkah? You have to give it a different spin. In other words, whoever decided that this should become the, the this prophecy of Zechariah, Zechariah the prophet, should be the Haftorah of Hanukkah, obviously had a certain way of reading the Parsha over here. I've told you a thousand times that when it comes to Haftorahs, you know, a lot of it is 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 thrown in extra, whatever, but the central reading is the central reading. So usually, like it was Baloscha, the main reading part of the, 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 the part that would be most interesting would be the first half where he talks about Yeshua Kohen Gadol and, uh, you know, remo- tells the Satan to leave him alone and he had dirty uh, children, another dirty clothes because his children married Kayim and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that would fit in with Parshas Baloscha, with Aaron and you know, the the future glory of the priesthood, even if they mess it up every once in a while. <clears throat> However, when you do on Rosh Hanukkah, the main emphasis of the is the second half, which we all know is the famous image of that um, menorah, which is fed from um, those two uh, uh, things of, 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 of oil, as, as it were. Um, let me read it in English. He says... Um, in the middle of it, uh, this is no. This is the beginning of chapter four in the Book of Zechariah, uh, who is a novi who lives at the beginning of Baishani period. And I saw something some sort of that's what I'm going to share with you. Um, but it says, I'll read in English. The angel that spoke to me returned and roused me. So in other words, the first vision that the angel talked to him about was Yeshua Kongol. And then he says, "What do you see now?" And he says, "I see a menorah all of gold." So you see where we're coming with Hanukkah with a bowl on the top, and had seven lamps, oh, and each of these lamps that are on the top have seven pipes, and the next to them are two olive trees. That is a prophetic dream, mind you, it's not physically happening. Okay? And the oil is flowing from the bowl to each of the seven lamps through these pipes. I mean, that's the, that's the basic idea. Okay? And um, nearer the two olive trees, one on the right of the bowl, one on the left, and I said, what's the shot? You know, Moela? And he says, you know what they are? No, tell me. And then he says, Lo lo Hashem. That's the beating of it, which is somewhat unclear and, and oracular. It's an oracle. And, you know, as with all oracles, it's not 100% clear what's going on. And now let's talk about Hanukkah. Um, this is a Nebuah that's taking place at the beginning of Bayashani period. That's who Zechariah is. Chagah, Zechariah, Malachi, especially Chagah, Zechariah, I should say. It says explicitly they live at the beginning of the Second Temple. In fact, they're the people like I mentioned the other day with Haggai, 
who encouraged the actual building of the second temple um, once the, the stop order had been put into place. In other words, Cyrus the Great allowed the Jews to come back. He allowed them to start rebuilding base of English. Then he turned on a dime and changed his mind for various reasons. He said, you can't build anymore. But 18 years later, they started to rebuild under a certain set of circumstances I won't go into now. And uh, the result was they were able to, to successfully build the Bayashani. Okay? Um, this is the Bayashani that the Greeks profaned. You understand? There have been three temples so far in Jewish history, if you're going by um, physical plan. There was the, the, the Temple of Shlomo Melch, which eventually was destroyed. There was a temple built in the time of Ezra Nehemiah. Now, I say that because I know that makes sense to you. Really, 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 it's not in time of Ezra Nehemiah. It's immediately prior to that. But when you say the words Ezra Nehemiah, it evokes a certain image in the listeners. Uh, if you take the trouble to look at the book of Ezra Nehemiah, you'll see that Ezra himself, for example, actually arrived in Israel six months after the completion of Baishim. And the Chemi came noch later. But nevertheless, it's that Tkufa. Okay? Kate Babel, Zerubabel, Kate Shivinoshati, Zerubabel in that era. In fact, Yoshua Kohen Gadol was the first Kohen Gadol of the Second Temple. So these prophecies, um, whether Yoshua is a good guy or bad guy or his kids are messed up or not messed up, he's actually in the gate of what's going to happen in Baishani period. I mean, that's that's the typical regular way of reading these Zechariah things. Okay? And uh, the first prophecy had to do with the Kohanim being bad news, which, of course, now let me say this. That's half the story of Hanukkah. Who screwed up on Hanukkah time? The bad priests. Okay? Uh, I think you know that. Jason, Menelaus, Lysimachus, and the others. Maybe you don't know this. This is 101 in the uh, Book of Maccabees, especially the second Book of Maccabees, which is written in a little bit of a weird way, nevertheless goes into a fair amount of detail concerning the corrupt priests and, uh, you know, the ones who imitated the Greeks and all the rest and started the ball rolling. If you um, follow uh, in great detail the accounts that you find in Josephus and therefore in a knockoff form in Yosephon, uh, you'll see there were bad Kohanim before that. Uh, what was that guy's name? Hercules or something like that. Yosef and Tobia, that's it. And his son. These were like bad news Kohanim who could not help but take advantage of the opportunities that lay at their feet, considering the fact that under the Greek governments, under the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, the high priest was apparently the person who delivered the taxes to the uh, Greek authorities, to the Macedonian authorities. Uh, you know who goes into this in great detail? Besides Josephus, he's the only source. But if you want somebody who's Ma'ayan in the Sugya and is, uh, you know, Maksha, Mafarik, and all that sort of thing, it's the Deris Roshanan. You know, he's very preoccupied with this because he sees um, the corrupt priesthood. I mean, in my opinion, he sees it's sort of like the Reformed Jews. You understand? Because basically, who put, who created the Reformed Judaism? Reformed rabbis. You get what I'm saying? Reformed rabbis. The, the laity didn't do it. They didn't know how to do it. It's also true of conservative, but there was no conservative at this time. But there was reform. So in my opinion, he's transposing the 19th century reality back in the early 2nd century, uh, uh, century reality, but BCE, but it could be, you understand? In other words, the sources can be interpreted that way, uh, especially, I repeat, you won't find this really in the Gemara, but you'll find it in Josephus in quite detail, and in some somewhat mo slightly modified form in Yosifan. Uh, Halevi, the uh, Doris Rishon, was a historian, so he ain't into Yosifan, but he is into Josephus. And um, for those of you who have no idea what I was just talking about, 
get the Avigdor Miller book. If you're really interested in what I'm talking about right now, if this subject interests you, and it should because it's Nogate Hanukkah, how did things screw up? How did the Jews go off the Derek and all the rest of it? Then you might want to look for a highly biased, but at least uh, uh, reasoned out uh, thesis of what happened in the events preceding the whole uh, business of the Maccabean Revolt, the suppression of Judaism by King Antiochus IV. So if you want one Mahalach in it, and I would say a very Haredi Mahalach, then get a Victor Miller and get the Torination and take the trouble to read through it. And you'll see he has in his way, because he's saying over what Halevi said. But Halevi says in a very diffuse way, and the chapters are scattered all over the place. And with Rabbi Miller, you know, you're getting at least a continuous narrative. And just take the word from me that he's following Lishitoso of the Deir Shunam. So if you want to understand that, um, that would be Yoshua Kleinagodl and his children who are wearing dirty clothes, meaning a married to Shiksas, which is the notorious scandal that was in the Book of Ezra, and so on and so forth. In other words, you have a foreshadowing in the Haftorah of the corruption of the priesthood. You see what I'm saying? The corruption of the priesthood. Um, as you know, we make a big deal. Cohen should only marry somebody. Tohor, Big Yichus, and so on and so forth. Muchosos. And, you know, when you're talking about the Hellenists and all this, it's the reverse of that. Um, and they went to parties and who knows what. So, um, this is the relationship of the first half of Zacharias' um, dream. And the first dream, which would be the corrupt priesthood. So that's connected with Hanukkah. But the second one is, to some degree, almost more interesting, you might say. And that you see a foreshadowing of the miracle of the oil. Because he says, I see, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me, but you know, Gula al Rosho, uh, he sees a, a menorah made out of gold, and a Gula Rosho, and it's seven stuff, and it's a dream. So notice it's, it's being fed miraculously. What do you call a menorah which is being fed miraculous oil? from two olive trees that do not actually exist physically, but nevertheless exist spiritually. Because this is not a dream of you and I, this is a prophetic dream. This is a nevuah. You get what I'm saying? So nevuah has a certain reality of its own. You understand? Nevuah has a certain reality of its own. And so maybe physically there wasn't a two trees with the pipelines to the manure all the rest of it, but spiritually you could say they're there. Even though I don't like to use the word spiritually, but it's very fascinating in a hypostatic uh, fashion. And, you know, Zachary is living long before Hanukkah, so he doesn't get the shot. And basically, he's saying like this. I see a menorah in the dream, in the Nebuah, and it is uh, on fire, you know, the, the menorah is burning, but I don't see the normal, you know, way of, of providing the oil, except through two uh, miraculous trees. Right? Two miraculous trees. Uh, what does the angel tell Zechariah, the meaning is, is a ruchnius. Lo b'chayel, lo b'koch, kim baruchi, amar Hashem That the meaning of this uh, vision you saw, which is a prophetic vision, is, lo b'chayel, lo b'koch, not by my might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Which means, Hashem runs the world on ruchnius, and kim baruchi, get it, ruchi. Runs the world on ruchnius, and in a ruchnius, take a fashion, he can make things happen which will defy the normal laws of, of physics. Duh. That is Hanukkah. You get what I'm saying? The reason we read this after on Hanukkah is we transpose the story of the prophecy of Zechariah, and you see it came to pass in the time of Hanukkah. So it could be Zechariah himself was just giving a message. Maybe he didn't know what's going to happen. 
because the Chai lived hundreds of years prior to Hanukkah. Although, to be perfectly honest, um, you get into the Persian Gulf business with the chronology, but I'll be Pashtas. Zechariah will be living, you know, in the 500s, the 400s, and Hanukkah is around 1 BCE, and Hanukkah is 165 or so BC, something like that. So it's quite a while uh, later. Uh, if what I just said is true, and this would be, although many people don't know it, the rabbinic way, traditionally, long ago, of understanding it, then you'll see um, how they interpreted the miracle of Hanukkah with the oil. Now, uh, I was thinking it's only because I was going to do another talk, and I, and I plan to, uh, before the end of the week. Maybe two, but certainly one, I hope, on uh, matters of Hanukkah. And I whipped out something I usually don't see, and that is uh, the rusty, trusty drushes chasam sober. I got to tell you, you know, I've never been so much into the drushes chasam sober for the dumbest of reasons. When I was young, I did it. You know, long, long, long ago, I used to look a lot of times at the uh, Darsh Moshe, whatever it's called. Not Darsh, that's the Moshe Feinstein, whatever, whatever the. Some silver thing is called, uh, and the some silver uh, didn't publish his drushes, but they appeared in different versions and different selections. But a couple years ago, they finally did the right thing, and uh, some group called Machon Chasam Sofer, Maduras Nussenzweig, published an elaborate five or six or seven volume business, in which they collected and collated and put in very nice print. And very wonderful footnotes. They did the right thing with all the drushes of Sam Silver. So you too can be a uh, Sam Silver at the next party. And uh, in volume three, so it's really Machai. It's shame on me that I don't use it more often. But in volume two, that's where he's got the Hanukkah stuff. And it really did, you know, I, that's just who I am. It's not Manukkah, but it's the next best thing. He's got the little notes on the side of the paragraph, like you see, you know, in the Mechaz and that sort of thing. And they did it. They just did a very, very nice job. Now, some silver sometimes is like wild. You understand? You have to, you know, go along with that more than you see in many others. Although I can't say you understand, which is sometimes like that also. But some silver is more rashishivish and more um, interested in defending, obviously, the very front point of view, obviously. <clears throat> and the long and the short of it is that in Russia seventeen which he delivered in, I guess, 1834. Uh, so he's talking, you know, he's talking about the base Yosef uh, question and all that sort of thing. And then he has something which I thought was very fascinating. And I'm going to read it to you because it's not very long. And he's going on the part that the Rambam says that, uh, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I, I'm sharing this with you for a number of reasons. But we all have heard Hanukkah Hay. Which is just not true. In other words, if you know anything about the Maccabean Wars, they didn't simply stop and rest on um, the 25th of Kislev. If you look in the McGill's Tinus, I've made this point many other times. I just put out an old speech I gave long ago. If you're interested in all the historical details and so forth, which takes a long time. But if you look at McGill's Tinus, you can already see that in Cheshwan, they're already in possession of the Temple Mount. And anyway, to clean up the place, you know, it took a long time. Get rid of the idols, rebuild a new Mizbeach, new Klisharis, and all the rest. And so, when usually you read, you say Chanukah, usually that's understood in the following sense. 
It's like the Alamo, except we're the uh, Mexicans and the Greeks were the Americans. And so the Maccabees attacked the temple, which to recapture. The Greeks fought back. It took some time, let's say a week or two, I mean, whatever. And finally, we won on the 25th of Kislev. And then Hanukkah, hey, and then the victorious Maccabees coming into the temple relit the menorah, and it was a miracle for eight days. But that's not true. They were already in possession of the Basin area long before that. And it took them a long time to clean the place up. Like happened in the time of Chizkiah, in the book of Devarayamim, and some other times, it took a while, which is totally understandable. You know, uh, and to repair the 13 breaches, and without going into all the details. So, um, maybe they concluded the repair work by the 25th of Kislev, and to tell you the truth, that's also not true. If you look at the book of Maccabees, assuming that they got this right, and it's very misstabber, they said that they waited Dafka for 25 Kislev, because that was the, the date that the Greeks, a couple years earlier, when they captured a temple and then converted for paganism, that is the date, 25 Kislev, that they started up the pagan sacrifices, the Chazer and all the rest of it. What the book of Daniel calls Shikutz Mishomein, an abomination of desolation. Can't even bring himself to the word. And those very words are in the first book of Maccabees. They directed abomination of desolation. So the Greeks did it because it's a solstice shtick. You know, I don't remember exactly, but it's uh, some kind of pagan holiday. So the Jews, to do, uh, what's the right word, meter connected meter or something like that, you know, poetic justice, they waited for that. It says those words in the book of Maccabees, that they waited for the day that the government had uh, raked the temple and now they repaired it. You see? So it's like they saw something aesthetic in, in making it the same day. You understand? So, fine. So it wasn't Chanukah, hey, Stam of the Veltorine. Nevertheless, everybody knows it's a it's a Rishon thing of the Ron, I think. He says Chanukah, 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 hey. So, um, on this regard, the Chsam Sofer, who's not coming from a historicist perspective at all, obviously, he's a Drush of Chsam Sofer, and that's not who he is. But nevertheless, I found it very interesting. Approaching it in his way from a strictly Lamdisha, agotic type way, and it goes like this: Barambam in in Megillah, it says, If you follow the Rambam, and I've told you before, the Rambam follows the Megillah's Antiochus, you know, for for better or worse. There it says that the Yom that we won the battle on the twenty fifth, like the version that I mentioned before. And so Sam Silver starts by asking Akasha. It's uh, not his Kasha, you know, but uh, pre-Chadish, really. But, uh, you know, if they actually did Chanukah, if what I just described was true, then they only started lighting the menorah the following night, which would be not the day of 25, but the evening, which means it's Chavav. So to answer that, uh, he says, he suggests... See, wants to say that what happened on um, when they won, um, when when they defeated the Greeks, was they weren't sure whether this was the last round or not, whether it was what we would call today a decisive and final victory. There are other times that they had wars with the Greeks and the, the battle shifted up and down like a seesaw, you know, Sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. And the Greeks came back and had to fight again. So you see the Chsam Sober 
is not a historian. I doubt if he read the Book of Maccabees, but he sure read Yosefon. Yosefon is a kind of a knockoff in, in some set, in some modified sense of Josephus, which is, again, a knockoff of the Book of Maccabees. That's what Yosefon is. And the Chassam Sefer certainly read Yosefon. I told you before, it used to be in the old days, if, you, if you're a European, you go back way back when, or even not European, uh, comes the night of Hanukkah, you sing the song, you know, like the menorah, you sing the song, and then you sit down and read from Yosefon. Now, so in other words, the Maccabean Wars were uh, you know, episodic. There were many cases of them. And that specific point is actually true. Now, But the last battle was the last battle where we totally defeated them and chased them back to Greece. That's a little wild, but okay. I'm just going today with the way the Chassam Silver says it. Now, B'Sham Shalto HaKohanim and then we're able to totally get rid of the, the Greeks. That's what it boils down to. In Cain, Sarachian, Halo below Suffolk, Biyamsha, Tsimishalayim, Tira Migdash. So, in other words, earlier than that, before the final victory, they must have cleaned up the base of Migdash. If the Maccabees won, as is actually true, around, but not the final battle. War wasn't over, because war wasn't over till decades later. They didn't wait till the war was totally over to start up the base of Migdash. If the Jews capture the Temple Mount under any circumstances, they're going to try as best they can to clean the place up and start up the Avoda, right? Even though that wasn't the time they had the final victory, even though it wasn't the final victory, in came Manashach, if this turned out to be Chafei Kislev, Chanu Chafei, in other words, Adain lived in Minitzchem. It wasn't a final victory. And if you're telling me that the end of the final wars, which is not true, end of the final wars, decades later, ended on, on, on 25 Kislev, so then you're telling me it has nothing to do with the day they lifted Menorah and had the miracle of the oil. Because if you're telling me, as the Rambam seems to suggest in his language, according to this analysis of Chassam Sober, that um, if that's to be understood as the final victory, then the episode of Hanukkah took place much earlier, not on 25 Kislev. So why do we do it? That's the way he sets it up. Remember, it's a, it's a drasha. And he suggests as follows, and this ties in with our Haftar, and that's the reason I'm sharing this with you, because I thought it's cute. Al came near on these died. Therefore, the Chassam Sober, I want to suggest, this is not long. This will take two minutes. I'll be shakfar kama pumhotzim I want to suggest the following: the Jews earlier attained a number of temporary victims and chased the Greeks out of Jerusalem, so they had possession of the city. Lo but they didn't think this is the final battle, and now they're free of the Greek threat. because the Chassam Sefer suggests mekubalha he wants to suggest that the Jews had a Kabbalah, a tradition, from the prophecy of Zechariah, which is our Torah today, okay? That there'll be, like you see in our Torah today, the bowls and the two olive trees and the miraculously feeding the oil of Bechayel of Bechayel of Bechayel So in other words, they were looking, when is this prophecy of some miracle involving 
the lighting of the menorah, which is foreshadowed in the prophecy of Zechariah, when is that going to take place? In other words, we will know that we've attained this uh, uh, level when we see something miraculous happening with, with, with the menorah. But I feel of and as long as they never saw it's prior to this, even if the Maccabees won big victories over the Greeks, but they knew the game's not over, because what they were looking for as a sign of, shall we say, the Maccabee Patish, of the end of Gauls Yavan, was some kind of miracle connected with the oil, based on the prophecy of Zechariah, suggests the Chassam Sover. Okay, um, and, and as long as there wasn't a miracle with the oil, they knew the Greeks are coming back. And therefore, a lot of Jews who, because of the Maccabean Wars, fled to caves and junk like that, forests, because that's what you do when there's a war on. Any army that passes through will kill you, you see. That's a lot of people were in hiding. They remained in hiding because they didn't hear about any miracle connected with the menorah. Now, again, this is all drushic. Forget the history, but this is all drush. But it's very interesting. But on 24 Kislev, um, they defeated the Greeks, one of the battles. And as we know, that night, after 24 Kislev, they lit the menorah. And then there was a nace, that the oil kept going on. So now they see the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah. And then they realize this, the final victory, and the Greeks ain't coming back. Or at least from now on, it's, it's, it's a downhill battle for us. We're going to beat him, is what I mean. Uh, and the Jews went on the defense or the offensive and, and didn't stop fighting until they kicked the guy totally out of Israel. And even invaded Greece and busted them. This is a Samsover scenario. But as far as the other Jews are concerned, like the ones who were in hiding all over the country, when they heard about the miracle of the oil, they said, now comes the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah, and we can come out into the clear. Because from here on, the, the Greeks are on the way out, and they're not going to be able to hurt us. And that's why it's not because would have mean the war was over, and he didn't say that the war was over. The war went on. But Chona means, according to Psalm Server's analysis, they ra- uh, they they camped around their flags, which means they they moved back to their houses, to their farms. And they weren't afraid about the Greeks coming back. This is wild stuff. Uh, and there's some interesting historical uh, issues with it. But, it's, uh, but I take from it, and I share with you, this is how our ancestors read the the the, 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 the Vua Zechariah. Connected in some fashion. I don't know if it's exactly like the way the Chassam Sofer does it, because it's very developed and very ingenious. I'm talking about Pashtas. When you read about the, the Haftorah this week, and you talk about this menorah, the golden lamp, which is the menorah in the temple, 
And, you know, as I say, before, it was these invisible pipes that only we can see prophetically and that they're being fed by two olive trees, which exist in the prophetic vision. In other words, they exist at some level of existence, but not the physical level of existence. And then he says, Kim Baruchi, it's a Ruach of Hashem. Uh, then they saw the Hanukkah being a fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah. Maybe in the way the Chassam Sofer says it, maybe in some other way. That doesn't actually matter so much to me. But isn't that brilliant? It's a very ingenious way of looking at it. And and the reason I share with you is, when you, this week, will be on Shabbos and you're looking at the Haftarah, which you're pretty familiar with, I assume, Roni was simply, this is a, a very, very well-known um, um, Haftarah. I don't think most of us look at it as a Hanukkah vort in the way that I just described, even though it kind of is staring you in the face. Anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you. Once again, I want to thank our anonymous sponsor and wish his grandmother she should be out. May have asked for me, have a full shlema. Thank him for that. Um, and I wish you a Freilich and Hanukkah. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.